Hello there, good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live, the January 22nd edition. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl, and it's a special day. It's special to be here with you on this uh, January 22nd, 2021. Of course, uh, a day that um, we all remember. It took 48 years ago, 1973, when the Supreme Court uh, legalized abortion in this country. Of course, there's no march in Washington this year. No. Um, there are some virtual events taking place, and uh, but certainly, and I know the bishops of uh, New Jersey have asked that today be a day of prayer and fasting. Right, right. Uh, some sort abortion. of sacrifice, devotions. Mm-hmm. There's a holy hour. M- many churches are having holy hours. Oh, where yeah, you have one up at your place today. We huh? do. And uh, masses dedicated to the unborn. And mm-hmm. So we'll give information about that a little later on. A little on. bit later, sure. Um, but anyway, today, uh, friends, coming up this hour, Dr. Kevin Vost will be joining us. He's written a book called Aquinas on the Four Last Things. I was thinking about one of those last things today on the way in today. <laughs> oh, yeah? Did you almost have an accident? No, but oh. I was thinking what I, I put on my, um, you know, on, on my Amazon Alexa that I have in my car. You can just tell Alexa to play anything, you know. Right. And for some reason, I was just thinking of my father, and I said, play music from the 1940s. Oh. And uh, Glenn Miller, uh, uh, um, Moonlight Serenade, come on. Very, very gentle. And I thought... You think like they're all dancing up in heaven or they're dancing and they're, they're all of our... Now, here's the thing. Mm. When we go to the eternal reward, yeah, we'll say play music from the, what, 21st century? Well, no, I don't listen to that music. Do you? I listen no. to like the mellow sounds of the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I listen I to. And it gets uh, more... Oh, well, Sinatra. I put Sinatra on. So, mm-hmm. but um, It I, gets crazier as the years march on. 70s mellow gold. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Adult, I, I, adult, adult contemporary rock. That's what they used to call yeah. them when we, were, when we were kids. Now we're way beyond adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but I was thinking about that. Just thinking, okay, I picture my parents dancing in heaven to the like Moonlight Serenade. Maybe, maybe the band room. is there. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, the, maybe Glenn Miller and the band are playing right now. Mm-hmm. We'll ask Dr. Vost. He'll be here later on mm-hmm. uh, about that. Uh, he's going to uh, talk with us. But also, we're going to play Name That Catholic Tune later this hour. And we're uh, going to be joined by Jim Hoffman with the weather forecast. And it's a chilly one, I understand. Uh, next hour, we're going to also have a special guest, Father Thomas Daly, will be joining us. And he has written a book called Behold This Heart. And it's reflections on the Sacred Heart uh, based on Salesian spirituality, St. Francis de Sales. Mm -hmm. So that music and all kinds of stuff. So we hope you stay with us. If you're listening live on uh, one of our domestic church media radio stations here in New Jersey at 4.03 Eastern Time, we are also coming to you live on all of our platforms today, all of our audio platforms, our free mobile app. You can both listen and watch the program. Uh, You can listen uh, on Amazon Echo devices and also Google Home devices. You can listen to streaming audio from our website. Uh, you can also watch the program live on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domestic church media. Also live video on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash domestic church media and live video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. So all kinds Is that of everything? It's a lot of stuff. But I see you just technology. recited off the top of your head. Because I work with it every day. I guess. I'm yeah. always working with it. I'm I always... would have to have it written down reading it. Yeah. But. No, I used to, but now I, I know where we are. And and 
But wait, there's more to come, and yes. we'll, we'll talk about that somewhere down the road here this year. But anyway, uh, let's first begin with our prayer time. And as always, friends, we'll remember today in a special way uh, the horror of abortion in this country, and we pray for an end to that. Um, and uh, we're also praying this beautiful prayer to the Holy Family, a prayer of family consecration to the Holy Family, which we're going to be giving away uh, soon. I'll make that announcement next week, tell you how you can do that. But we, we were very, uh, very grateful to have uh, received multiple copies of this uh, prayer that we're going to send out to you for free if you'd like one. Uh, but right now we ask you to uh, join us in praying and dedicating, consecrating our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust entrust our family family to you. O blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our our family family to to you. you. O St. Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We We entrust entrust our our family family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, Joseph, pray pray for for us. And we'll also pray our prayers to St. Michael and the the ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother, the Subtum Presidium prayer. Holy Father asks us to pray these prayers every day to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And uh, it's a beautiful intention. And also we add that intention of uh, protecting our country from the attacks of the devil. So we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. battle. Be Be our protection protection against against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May May God God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls, Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. And Our Lady of Good Remedy. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. I had gotten a um, a text asking what exactly does the sub tuum presidium translate to. So sub, you would think under, right? Mm -hmm. Beneath or below. Mm -hmm. Tuum, your. Mm -hmm. And presidium, protection. Mm -hmm. So under your protection. 
And I think it's uh, one of the most, if not the most ancient prayer to Our to Lady. To Our Lady, mm-hmm. that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And it is, depends on, uh, well, now there aren't many hymnals in many church pews, but um, some of the more traditional hymnals will have a lot of the Marian chants, a lot of the Gregorian chant settings of the Mary prayers, and this sub tuum is in the St. Michael hymnal. And it's a beautiful chant mm-hmm. to sing. Bishop Short. knew it. He chanted yeah. it one day. That's right. Uh, yeah, they chanted it in seminary. So. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. So anyway, uh, thank you for praying with us, friends. And again, coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Dr. Kevin Vost, Aquinas on the four last things: death, judgment, heaven, and hell. This would be a great interview for October. You know, leading up to that's a new book. All Saints, All yeah. Souls. Mm-hmm. Well. We'll have him back and see how things are going We'll ask him if the Glenn Miller Band's playing up in heaven. If there's dancing in heaven. (laughs) I'd like to imagine that it's, it's, of course, it's worshiping Almighty God, but it's also whatever brings you the most happiness. And joy. And joy. Mm -hmm. So it could be. The spirit just moves. Hmm. We'll find out. Uh, so again, today we, uh, I don't like to use the word anniversary. It sounds too celebratory, but, uh, remembering that on this day, 48 years ago, the Supreme court of the United States, uh, in the Roe v. Wade decision legalized abortion. And it really didn't, ha- I remember it. I was a, a senior in high school, I guess, in uh, senior in high school. And, um, but it was also the same day that former president Lyndon Johnson died. So that got all the press. Uh, I see. It was kind of buried under all that uh, those mm-hmm. headlines. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, a number of years ago, m- many years ago now, <clears throat> you know, in my old days, I used to every now and then write a tune or two. Mm-hmm. Late at <laughs> night. Name that Jim tune. <laughs> uh, yeah, late at night, and uh, this is one that I wrote, um, and we recorded in 1995, so 25, 26 years ago. Thinking back and reflecting, our children were born in uh, 1989, 91, and 92. Right. So three years down the road. I don't know how you got a moment's peace to do this. But well, you all went to bed by 7.30. You were all asleep by <laughs> 7. I had nothing out. to do all night. You guys, you guys, you know, the babies were asleep. You were, you know, especially when you were pregnant, you would always go to sleep early. That's right. And, of course, there was no YouTube back then. There weren't 600 no, satellite challenges. You know, you, you had like five or seven I'd pick channels. up the guitar and just start strumming. Just playing around. So, anyway, this is this is something that I wrote and Cheryl and I recorded uh, back in 1995. Um, and, at, actually, was it specifically for you know, the parish we went to at that time? They would have a special we had We really organized it. It was the first one. To bless the um, Expectant families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a prayer, moms. a song that I had written to uh, for a mass that we had for expectant families. That's right. And they would each receive, come up and receive a blessing. That's right. On their unborn. So enjoy my precious child. We'll be right back. child formed by the hand of God made in the image and likeness of love 
precious child I will pray patiently Knowing that you are kept well in his care My precious child so full of Sing out, O oh heavens, rejoice, O oh earth, break forth into song, all you lands. Great is the gift of life given to me, he has written your child silently praising him still only seen by his heavenly eyes my precious child so full of faith soon I will hold you and hear Sing out, O oh heavens, rejoice, O oh earth, break forth into song, all you lands. Great is the gift of life given to me, he has written Trust it to us by our Father above. Well, Dr. Kevin Vos is uh, the author of over 20 books, including Memorize the Faith and How to Think Like Aquinas, and has taught psychology at Aquinas College in Nashville, the University of Illinois at Springfield, Lincoln Land Community College, and McMurray College. He's a member of the Research Review Committee uh, for American Mensa, and which promotes the scientific study of human intelligence. And, you know, we often think of death as the end, but it really is just the beginning of eternal life. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell, often called the last four things, are awe-inspiring and fear-inducing, yet 
Countless saints testify to the profound spiritual benefit of contemplating that awesome mystery that awaits us in the afterlife, and few saints have thought more deeply about the four last things than St. Thomas Aquinas. And uh, Dr. Vos has written a brand new book called Aquinas on the Last Four Things. Dr. Vos, welcome to the program. Well, thanks so much for having me on. The four last things. Well, you know, Doctor, that sometimes, we, as, as I just said, it, sometimes it could be awe-inspiring, but fear-inducing, too. Um, tell us about what inspired you to write the book in the first place uh, based on the uh, teachings of Aquinas. Sure. Just, you know, very briefly, in my own, my own history, I was raised Catholic, spent about 25 years as an atheist until the Holy Spirit led me to read the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas for the first time. It showed me that faith was reasonable and brought me back to the Church, and, you know, just one of the, the great joys uh, of my life. And since that time, I've been very much impacted by all the writings of St. Thomas. I'm a psychologist, and Thomas laid out human psychology just amazingly well. So many of my books have been trying to popularize his writing for the public, kind of, you know, bringing them into modern language, showing people how, they, how, how uh, practical they are. Sometimes his books can, can be daunting because he uses deep philosophical and theological subject matter, but I try to take different parts and present them in the most you know, understandable way possible. And the very last section of his greatest book, the Summa Theologica, is called The Treatise on the Resurrection, where he deals with his four last things. So in this book, I go like, question for question, article for article, through Thomas's writings to try to show us the, the highlights of these wonderful, amazing, and, and as you said, you know, awe-inspiring and fear-inducing uh, the, the four last things. Well, you know, these, obviously, uh, we all think about it. I was telling Cheryl on the way in this morning, I was driving uh, on the highway there and put on some music that reminded me of my parents, who are both deceased, and I, I began to think about, okay, where are they, and, and what are they doing, and what's it like? Um, do our souls go straight to heaven or hell when we die? I think the answer there is, is, is maybe, you know, for, for some of us they do. So this is, yeah, this is one of the kind of issues that Thomas addresses. Uh, you know, that, that, that souls that die in, in perfect unity with God, without any mortal sin, without any uh, venial sin that has not been, you know, that we haven't done penance for, those souls would go immediately to heaven. Uh, for most of us, if we're, we're dying united to God, there's no mortal sin on our soul. But we have committed venial sins or we haven't fully done penance for prior mortal, mortal sins, then we will go through that place of purification that we call a purgatory. So, so Thomas goes into great detail about that. And then, you know, unfortunately, of course, those who die with grave mortal sin on their souls have basically chosen to cast off God's love and mercy. And they will then, you know, as it said in the Catechism, they've self-excluded themselves from heaven. So it's a very, very serious uh, business. Hmm. When we think about death and we think about the transition from this life into the next, we know that we are created body and soul with an immortal soul, and God created us to be with him forever in heaven. Our, I remember the old Baltimore Catechism, you know, to, to love yeah. God. Uh, so, but but, but this, this is something I think that, you know, uh, we think about and maybe don't think about enough. I don't know. As I get older, I think about it a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, you mentioned about the the a possibility of eternal damnation. I, I often find it very difficult for a soul that would be in that in that nanosecond of of transition to to reject God's love. Does Aquinas address that at all? Does he talk about that? Is it just the fact that there is a, an unrepentant mortal sin on our soul that will 
we've chosen to then to be without God's love for all eternity, or is there still a little bit of hope there? Yeah, and, and here, you know, well, Thomas is all saying, you know, like we might see a person who dies or, or even through some kind of a suicide. Yeah, we don't know the true state, state of their soul. At that nanosecond, as you said, and if there is a conversion of heart at that nanosecond, that, that's, that's going to make all the difference, all the difference in eternal lives. So Thomas's overall teaching is very optimistic. I mean, we have to very persistently and obstinately, you know, re- reject God to suffer that irrevocable torment and hell. You know, God wants us to to join Him in heaven. The the virtue of faith expresses our our hope that we will one day be in heaven, and that God will give us all that we need to get there. So you know, if if we do our best, if we try to embrace God's love, I mean, it, it's going to take quite an act and a persistent act. To, to reject him and end up uh, in hell. But by the same token, you know, most of us are going to have sins. We're probably going to end up in, in purgatory. And there, there's some genuine uh, suffering there to cleanse us, you know, because nothing pure will enter heaven. So in a sense, we want to try to uh, avoid purgatory as much as possible. And yet we must remember that in the case of our loved ones, for example, whoever is in purgatory will one day ultimately reside with God in heaven because they did die united to God uh, uh, through grace and charity. And isn't that beautiful, uh, Doctor, that, it again, our, our faith is one of great hope and that all is not lost. You know, if you've made it to purgatory, you can rejoice a little bit. You know, you might be there for some time, but at least you know you're going to, to the ultimate reward, you know. Um, you did mention suicide, however, and of course these days people are Sadly, losing hope, you know, maybe they don't have as strong a faith as others, and they've lost hope, they're desolate, they're depressed, they're despairing, and we're reading about more and more suicides, which of course is um, frowned upon by the Catholic Church. And But from the psychological standpoint, they're, they're not really in the best mental state. Now, where does that person stand in the eyes of God? Yes, yes, you know, and one of the things in the psychological literature, a person most likely to actually attempt suicide, they've lost all natural hope. There's like no sense that they can do anything that's going to make their life better. You know, so it's that at that level, it is a great despair, a very, very sad thing. Mm-hmm. So we want to try to embrace with our faith and remember that there always, always is hope. Uh, you know, and I can't speak authoritatively for the church, but I think that the church would remind us that, that we never actually know the state of that person's uh, soul at their moment of death, mm. you know, uh, and suicide takes a period of time. It's rarely instant. You know, we don't know. Uh, so we don't know. So we want to always pray for that person, mm. regardless of how they experience death, uh, especially with the suicide, which, again, is so often complicated by uh, mental illness. So we don't want to play God in that case mm. and assume we know their destination. Uh, but we do want to pray for that person's soul. Yes. We're talking with Dr. Kevin Vost about his new book, Aquinas, on the Four Last Things. It's published by Sophia Institute Press, and their web address is sophiainstitute.com. And uh, in the book, uh, with St. Thomas as his guide, Dr. Vost explores the destination of our souls after death and uncovers the mysteries surrounding purgatory and limbo. Now, there's something when I was, and I'm, I'm post, uh, or rather pre-Vatican II in my initial uh, education, um, what does Aquinas say about limbo? Yes, in limbo, you know, I believe in the current catechism, it's not actually listed as a phrase there, mm. but in the ancient uh, church teaching, it was there, and it mainly 
the, the main category of purgatory we think of is for uh, unbaptized, like an unbaptized child, right. you know, who through no fault of their own, they're not baptized, but according to the Church teaching, you know, we need to be baptized to, to join with God, to receive His graces, to be with Him in heaven. So the teaching on limbo, the way Thomas describes it, is that these, these infants who through no fault of their own uh, were not baptized, they don't have the grace to be with God in heaven, but He's not going to punish them in hell. They mm. had no, no personal sin. So there was this, uh, a place, a state called uh, limbo, where Thomas said, well, they would be deprived of the beatific vision you know, of God that the, that the, that the saved have, but God would bless them with the highest level of, of natural happiness possible as, as natural human beings. So, so something, you know, we definitely want to strive to make every person, to, to baptize uh, every person. If a person's an adult is considering joining the faith, you do want to, to, to do that, to, to get uh, uh, baptized. But at least according to Thomas's teaching of limbo, yeah, it, it falls short of heaven, but, it, but it's not hell. It's not, the only punishment is that uh, the person would not get that beatific vision of God, but again, they would be limited to enjoy a natural happiness. Mm-hmm. And as far as judgment goes, Dr. Vost, you know, we know there's a particular judgment and then the the uh, general judgment. Uh, and, and I always thought that, I always found that a little, I, I have a hard time kind of putting that together. You know, I'm, I, when, I, when, 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 a, when a soul leaves this, this world and, and goes before God before a particular judgment, yet there is at, at the end of the world, uh, is, what, what happens? I mean, we're, we're, we're not rejudged, but what, what is, what do we, when we talk about that at the end of the world, when, when the Lord comes to judge, uh, what, what does that mean as, a par, as opposed to the particular judgment? Yes, and Thomas has some good insights here. You know, he says a particular judgment, of course, happens at the time of our own personal death. At that point, we know if we're going to heaven or to hell uh, or to purgatory, if our souls are. And our souls, you know, are separated from our bodies. We're just existing as spiritual beings at that time. But when Christ comes for the final judgment, the last judgment, there will be actually, uh, our bodies will be reunited with our souls. You know, the Catholic Church has always taught that the physical body is a good thing. So, yeah, we're not going to be just spiritual forever. We were made to be body and soul, and we will be. And at the time of the general uh, judgment, then Thomas says, the particular judgment takes, acknowledges the fact that we are all individual human beings. The general judgment acknowledges the fact that we're all members of the human race. And at the general judgment, there we are all judged together, all of us as a race, and then the rewards that we're destined to, uh, the rewards, uh, whether we'll be in heaven or in hell, will, will actually take place, but not only as souls, but in body and soul. And that the and I love the the of course we think about what we're gonna what it's gonna be like when we God yes. willing we get to heaven. I love the image of the glorified body. Can does he address that and how does he address that? Well, he, he addresses it in great detail. You know, some of this comes from the passage of St. Paul, one Corinthians uh, fifteen forty three, where he talks about things like uh, you know what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable, and and other descriptors. And Thomas boils it down to four main characteristics, and the, and the Church itself does. One, impassibility. Our bodies will be incapable of suffering and getting sick and decomposing. Another is subtlety. It takes its name for the power to penetrate. So we'll have a spirit-like body, and it will be actually able to move, move wherever we want, even through material objects. The third, agility, ease, and promptness, promptness of movement. We'll all be like you know, master athletes. Our bodies will do whatever we ask them to. And he says, you know, in Wisdom 3.7, it says, they will run like sparks through the stubble. 
That's what we'll be like when we have these agile bodies. And clarity, which means a radiance of brilliance or a glow, like Christ in his transfiguration, it's in his face shone like the sun. Thomas says we will all glow. And there is a phenomenon called bioluminescence, where like sea creatures create their own light, you know? And actually, even on Earth now, we all do produce chemical reactions that, that produce a very, very dim light. But in the glorified body, our bodies will glow for, for all of us to see. Beautiful. We're talking with uh, Dr. Kevin Vos. We have just a couple of minutes left. He's written a book called Aquinas on the Four Last Things, published by Sophia Press uh, and Sophia Press, I'm sorry, SophiaInstitute.com. And maybe to close out our conversation today, Dr. Does Aquinas um, discuss or talk about what kinds of rewards we'll have in heaven? What what awaits us there? He does, and there's not much time to ally. But he does. We all we all get this beatific vision of seeing God in His essence, which will completely captivate us. You know, bring us this total bliss. There's also special awards he calls uh, aureolas for like uh, the people, the virgins, for the martyrs for the church, for special teachers and doctors. It's kind of special awards for people who've made special victories over the flesh, over the world, or over the Satan. And, you know, he talks about different mansion preachers. There's different levels of beatitudes. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to think about, mm. what we will experience uh, in heaven. It's just, a, it's just almost unspeakable to think how amazing it's going to be. Is it Aquinas who, who um, talked about our, our, the idea that our, we'd all be about 33 years old or look about our bodies would be in that state like as our yes. Lord? Okay. Mm. All right. So something yeah, certain. And, and I did some research that shows actual athletic performance for endurance and strength does tend to peak right around that age, you know, which was the age of, uh, of Christ. So, yeah, that's right. So, oh, that's so yes, amazing. it's something to look forward to for all of us. Ah, to be 33 again. <laughs> well, yes. Oh, yes. I bet every listener now they're going to go to confession and they're going to say, that's it, I'm going to be really, really good from now on. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm so glad you broke it down and put it into some layman's terms. However, I know I have on occasion picked up a couple of books by St. Thomas, and oh boy, it was quite the collegiate level. And I thought... Uh, you know, you really had to concentrate and pick it apart and 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 focus. And so I thought this this might be more my reading ability. So well, thank well, I you. Hope so. I, you know, I always have to pay my dues when I go through and try to try to bring it into simpler language. But it's always worth the effort. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it's called Aquinas on the Four Last Things. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. And again, friends, their web address is sophiainstitute.com. We've been talking with the author, Dr. Kevin Vost. Doctor, thank you so much for being with us, and I hope uh, you'll join us again sometime. It's always my pleasure, and I love to. God bless. God, God bless, bless you. you. Thank you. And friends, you stay where you are. We'll be back with more. Don't go away.
God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. Well, of course, that delightful little ditty tells us it's time for the Domestic Church Media weather forecast with our Domestic Church Media chief meteorologist, Jim Hoffman. I was going to say Dr. Jim Hoffman, wouldn't I? <laughs> Do you have a doctorate? Uh, sure, yeah, if you think so. <laughs> yeah, I got it online. We'll, we'll call him Dr. Jim Hoppin. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Right? That would, that would sound, it pretty, sounds... sound pretty impressive. It's got, and he has his yeah. own ditty. He has his own ditty. Doctor, sure. The doctor's ditty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the doctor's dear. in the house. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, Doc, uh, how you been? <laughs> well, he's in the house. Good? He's in the house because it's too cold outside. But your degree really is in meteorology, right? <laughs> yes, I have a bachelor's and a master's degree See? in meteorology. See, we don't we don't we don't just get like uh, schmucks here on no. the stage. We, we get a... no, no doctor at all. I'm not a doctor. Well, <laughs> oh, I'm very impressed. Well, can we now. give you an honorary one? You can. I'm sure. All right. Are you like a institution of higher learning? You could give me an, an honorary doctorate. Yeah, sure. Why not? It's <laughs> oh, very loose parameters here. Where'd you get your where, Where'd you get your master's? Uh, Rutgers University. So let's go there. there. In, uh, New, New Brunswick. Oh, you were in New Brunswick. Oh. oh. I was. Undergraduate as well or just graduate? 
Uh, both undergrad and graduate. So you've been to the Corner Tavern. I sure have. <laughs> yes, I have. You know, I have been to the Corner Tavern. Actually, um, there was a place right across the street called the Brunswick Boardwalk. Oh, that was it after was our a, time. Long time ago. It was a fast food place. Hmm. I think it used to be called, I, used to be called Greasy Tony's. Uh, Greasy Tony's was like on the other side. Of the oh, okay. Street. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then the Brunswick Boardwalk was like right across the street. It was a they they sold fried chicken things like that, and I, I worked there for a short time. You did. But, so you probably my my daughter came home from my daughter goes to nursing school, and she just came home a couple of days ago from uh, from the school up there, and she went to um, oh what is the place with the strong bullies the bullies 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 is it called bullies mm-hmm. uh-huh. no no it was no? um gosh. It was on the tip of my tongue. Now I can got it. But I know where you're talking about. It's on Eastern Avenue there. Yeah. 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 And then there's uh, there was Tumulty's. Tumulty's Pub. Pub. Yeah. Yes. They closed. Yeah. They closed now. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're kind of a New Brunswick guy in a sense. I, you know, the the actually the proprietors of the Corner Tavern, the Inzano family. I taught uh, Vinny was in my class. Vinny Inzano was in my class. <laughs> now he runs the place. Um, uh. But yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. Right down the street from the Corner Tavern. Was St. Peter's High? It, they tore it down. St. Peter's High School, where I went to school, and also taught. But but when I taught at high school on the high school level in 1978, it, the drinking age was 18 in New Jersey, and some yep. of the teachers and I would go down to the corner tavern after school on a Friday to have a little you know end of week cocktail, and there would be students at the bar. 18 year old seniors in high school mm-hmm. were drinking. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So well, they would I, buy us I drinks. Turned, I turned eighteen in nineteen seventy nine. So you just missed uh, it, no, or, or, or was so it? So I just I was grandfathered in. I was because I think they had raised the age to nineteen yeah, at that point. Okay, it was a crazy and then thing. Twenty one. Yeah. 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 Well. Anyway, times they are a change, and we're happy to have you here, uh, Mr. Hoffman. So tell us a little bit about uh, this chilly forecast that I hear is coming our way. Yes. Um, well. It's uh, it's it's been a little cold. It's been breezy. Um, gosh, yesterday morning I went out for a bike ride, and it was the lowest temperature. It's my personal record: twenty four degrees when I went for my bike ride. Oh <laughs> wow! Gosh, I can't imagine. Um, but actually, this afternoon we started off chilly today, but um, we got up into the forties. Actually, right now in Ewing, what forty four, Freehold forty seven, forty eight in Hamilton, forty four in Hamilton. Cape May 45, Beach Haven 48, Seaside Heights is 43. So it warms up nicely in the area. But um, we're going to get a little colder, and it may get snowier uh, starting early next week. But uh, we'll start off with tonight. Partly cloudy, low 25. Saturday, mostly sunny, high near freezing. You may not get above freezing. And it's going to be windy. We're going to have a nice brisk northwest wind at uh, about 10 to 20 miles per hour. Saturday night, mostly clear, low 18. Still a bit breezy. We're going to continue with that northwest wind. It's going to be a little lighter, 10 to 15 miles an hour, but still you'll feel it out there when you go outside. Sunday, mostly sunny, high near 35. And Sunday night, mostly cloudy, low around 25. And then Monday, we start with some precipitation probably mixed in the afternoon. Uh, Cloudy high, 38 on on Monday. And then Monday night, uh, snow likely cloudy, low around 28. So that snow continues into Tuesday. Uh, right now, we're not looking for too much. You know, if it 
um, stays off snow, maybe a couple couple inches, but we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that one. And there's, a, there's another storm. Looks like later next week. It looks like it's going to our south, but we have to watch out for that one in case it decides to pitch a ride on the turnpike <laughs> <laughs> and come this direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, it is January, so we uh, certainly can't uh, think it unusual. But I will say this: little trivia: stuff your face. That's yes, it. I just looked it up. <laughs> Sorry, yes. I, so did I. We both cheated on Google. But yeah, uh, stuff I just your face. On Google while I was doing the forecast, I was googling. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the Stromboli place, honey. Is it still there? I, I guess it must that, be, yeah. right? And they have a website. Yeah, so my daughter, my daughter ate there. Stuff, stuff your face. Really, but if, you stuff your face, and they told her that. Boy, used to hang out there all the time. Now, if you were if you were nineteen in nineteen seventy nine, you said, is that what you said? Were you? Well, were you Seventy. I, I turned. I turned eighteen in nineteen seventy nine because that's when I started college. So you were up there um, in nineteen seventy nine. You were in New Brunswick then. Yes, I was. So yep. I probably saw. You, I, saw I, I probably saw you at the corner tavern at one point or another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I say, look at these young college kids. <laughs> I actually had my first legal beer at. Um, the Rutgers Pub. I mean, oh. said pubs at this school. Yeah, I know. Me too. When I was at Seton Hall, there was a pub. <laughs> and then they got wise and changed yeah. the drinking age Very to 21. Smart. Very mm-hmm. smart. Hey, yeah. Jim, listen, yeah. thanks so much uh, for reminiscing with us today and your weather forecast. And uh, stay warm. We'll look forward to talking with you next Friday. All right. Thanks. Have a great weekend. God bless okay. you. Thank you. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you. God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. It's time to name that Catholic tune. Time to name that Catholic tune. And you know, while you're handing out advanced degrees, yes. I have my own ditty. So should I not also receive a doctorate? I'll give you a doctorate. Sure, why not? <laughs> I took I'm giving them out today. Free doctorates at Domestic Church Media. We're giving All them right. out. All right. No problem. Oh, you have you have advanced degrees as well. You have a master's. I have a master's too. And then I took one class on the doctoral level, and that was in, enough. In what? Music? Or it was music me. Theory, it was uh, early. Mean? No, Baroque history. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you dropped out. <laughs> no, I love. Would that it. have been three years? How old you? Three years of that? Three more years for the doctor. Three years of Baroque history? No, 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 no. I took one class. Oh, and but that what was, was the degree class. toward? Um, I didn't even. You oh, know, okay. Didn't declare. Okay. No, no. You kind of don't declare that till you determine your uh, thesis. So you wake up from Baroque history class. <laughs> yeah, and then you say, what am I doing? <laughs> no, I was just a big fan of early music. Still am. Is that um, who's a famous Baroque artist? Well, Bach. Oh, I, of course. <laughs> well, it was Bach. Well, it was Bach. And who else? Now, this is where we should have somebody text in. I was playing Glenn Miller in the card today, so you think I would know who was a Baroque? Text in if you know. If another. you know other Baroque artists, okay. That's text right. is 609 493 8255. Text to that number if you know other Baroque artists. 609 609- Four nine three eight two five five. But if you want to play Name That Catholic Tune, you can call 609-493-8255.
and the the game goes like this. Cheryl's going to give some information, some uh, facts about today's Catholic tune, and then she'll play a little bit of on the on the uh, mighty mighty uh, Steinway. And um, you can call six zero nine four nine three eight two five five and take a guess. So go right ahead. All right. Well, this uh, is a real hardcore Catholic traditional hymn. It was first it first appeared in a Catholic hymnal. And the text comes from the uh, 4th century. It's the um, uh, paraphrase of the Te Deum Laudamus, which is a great hymn of praise, jubilation, supplication. The Te Deum is always played on um, big anniversaries, like when it turned the year 2000 mm-hmm. and you know the, things like that. But very strong, very powerful. I, I, I hear it as a closing hymn, just very, very majestic. And uh, it first appeared in a Catholic songbook in 1774 in Vienna by Father Franz, F-R-A-N-Z, Father Ignatius Franz. And as I said, he was a, a priest and he assembled one of the earliest Catholic songbooks. This hymn... Uh, written specifically for the Catholic Mass and a Catholic hymn book, but now it is equally loved by Protestants alike, all denominations, and it is sung to a German melody, which probably what gives us its strength, a strong foundation. And it was played at President Kennedy's funeral hmm. as his casket was being you know, processed out of St. Mm-hmm. Matthew's Church in Washington, D.C. Okay. This is the hymn that was played. I think okay. you could recognize it. 609-493-8255. Let Cheryl play a little bit here. 609-493-8255. If you think you know what today's Catholic tune is. Oops. You're setting up there in the mighty Steinway. I'm trying to keep my book open. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Okay, so piano is all right. I mean, I imagine it on the organ, but right now I have a piano setting. Okay, can you hear that? A little louder. Sorry, I'm taking these off. There you go. Good? Yep. Yeah, good. Ooh, okay. (laughs) 609-493-8255, if you know what today's... Catholic tune is, give us a call, 609-493-8255. Well, no calls. Play it again. I kind of stopped in the middle of the phrase. Mm -hmm. All right. Maybe I can get a better setting for you. Six zero nine four nine three eight two five five. Come on, people, put on your thinking caps here. Oh, you know what? It's also used at benediction. There we go. We have a caller. We have ah, a, good. We have a we have a caller. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? I'm uh, Mimi from Robbinsville, New Jersey. Mimi from Robbinsville. Very nice, Mimi. And uh, what do you think today's Catholic tune is? Holy God, we praise thy name. Holy God, we praise thy name. That's right. Very good, Mimi. That is correct. And uh, did did you know it right away? Just a little little hesitant to call, or you had to think about it? I knew it right away. I'm sure you did. Well, the second time it was played, I got a better 
you know, okay. caring for it. Yeah. yeah. All right. And what's your parish over there in the Robbinsville area? St. Greg's. St. Gregory. Oh, Very good. Nice. Yep. Are you? I was going to say they probably use that hymn there, right? I mean, it's just good oh, yes. traditional. Yeah, I've heard it before. Many yeah. times. Very oh, good. Well, you are correct, Mimi. Holy God, we praise thy name. That is today's Catholic tune. Mimi from uh, Robbinsville is our winner. I'm going to put you on hold. Mimi, don't, don't hang up. Okay, stay right where you are. And uh, friends, you stay right where you are. We'll be back with more Friday Live in just a bit. Don't go away.
Okay, holy God, we praise thy name. That was the correct answer. And uh, congratulations to Mimi and Robbinsville for being our winner today. You did get a few texts here, by the way. Oh, uh, good. So I'm not the only one, James, that might dabble in a touch of classical composers, um, and especially I, the Baroque era. Baroque composers, Antonio Vivaldi. Absolutely. George F. Handel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claudio Monteverde. Oh, very good. Uh, Scar, Sacarlotti? <laughs> Try Scarlotti. It says, this one's S-A-C, so Scarlotti, Jean-Baptiste Lully. Mm. And then this person was in queue for uh, the game show, so they just missed it. Also, I think this is our friend Bruce DeBacco who said, uh, uh, stop snoring, he's a Baroque fan too. Keep him coming. Yes, thank you. Somebody All on right. my side of the ring over here. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break and be back with another big hour of Friday Live. So stay right where you are. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, we cut away there for a few few minutes and come back on top of the hour. So come on back. Be right back. Everyone has to work through mounds of mundane stuff every day. Even the Pope has to rubber stamp a stack of papers today. The question is, what spirit do you bring to that stuff? I was folding laundry the other day for six kids. The mound was huge, and I was starting to get this terrible attitude. Arg! I don't want to be doing this. And I remembered a guy who reached out to our ministry anonymously through an email contact form. He was in a different continent. He said, can someone come visit me? I'm ill. I'm so lonely. I have no friends, no family. He was just reaching out to the internet in desperation. I almost started crying as I folded each shirt. Thank you, God, for the kid who wears this shirt, the wife who wears that dress. Listen, if you have work today, give thanks. And if you have people you love who you're getting to work for, give thanks even more. If you do, your work might still be kind of stinky, but at least you won't be. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. We have a big problem. Our culture is dying and souls are in danger of being lost. The answer is conversion to Jesus Christ in His church. St. Paul Street Evangelization is a Catholic organization and we have hundreds of teams spreading the good news throughout the country. But we need your help. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Find out more and get involved today at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. Bishop Robert Barron. Tolkien has reached out to, you know, Nordic culture and literature and Icelandic sagas and all sorts of things. He learned a lot about the good, the true, and the beautiful from his study of pre-Christian cultures. He used narrative forms that were accessible to the culture. He adapted that to evangelical purposes. So that shows you that flexibility 
It shows you a certain um, creativity in the evangelical uh, art. He did not proselytize, rather he very delicately and indirectly and cleverly evangelized through the imagination so that someone taking in these great stories of Tolkien or his friend C.S. Lewis, they're going to say, oh yeah, I get that. I recognize that pattern. So that finally when they hear the gospel, they'll say, yeah, I understand that. I learned that from the Lord of the Rings. I learned that pattern from the Narnia stories. That was the genius of those fellas. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN radio. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. He got a satellite dish for pornography. So he took a beer and a sandwich and he sits down and puts on his favorite uh, pornography station and he said, there you were. (laughs) (laughs) He looked at me and he said, What's that damn nun doing on that? <laughs> so he's mad, he's very angry, and he turns the dial, and there I am. <laughs> and now his heart's beginning to beat just a little bit, you know, and he turns the dial, all 52 channels, there I was, looking at him. Oh, tight. Oh. Well, he said he turned it off, and he walked the floor of the night, his heart beating 100 miles an hour. He said he couldn't sleep. He got up early in the morning and he went with the confession, never watch pornography again. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN radio. Our mission is to transform the world one woman at a time through a spiritual program of formation that helps them to see who they are as daughters of the Most High God and to enjoy the gift that God has given to them by virtue of their femininity. Women of Grace with Jeanette Bankovic-Williams. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weekday mornings at 11. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, friends, on this uh, January 22nd, Friday Live. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. And we'll be here for the next hour. Uh, Joining us a little later on this hour will be Father Thomas Daly, who's written a book called Behold This Heart. And it's a beautiful reflection on the sacred heart uh, with um, reflections of of his and combining those of St. Francis de Sales. So we look forward to speaking with Father Thomas. Uh, Also, we'll do our gospel reading and reflection and uh, it's for the third Sunday of uh, Ordinary Time. 
And um, we had a little audio issue with our friend, Father Jim Grogan, who was supposed to give the reflection today. So we're going to go to uh, Dr. Scott Hahn for the reflection today. Uh, but first, we'll have the reading for the third Sunday. May I say hello to someone first? Yes, go ahead. Okay, before you push that button, I'm don't, button my pizza. don't change that dial. So our caller for our game show, uh, as you heard, it was Mimi who called in. And as soon as she said that, I thought of, I only knew one other Mimi in my entire life. And um, she came on our trip to Montreal. Now it's over a year over a year ago, I guess, a year and a half. It was September year and a we half. went to Montreal. Yeah. But really, I think that was her um, email, so I'm not sure if she really goes by that, her name, but it was Mimi that I was always emailing. Oh, okay. okay. And it was a mother and daughter. And what do I do? But I check my text at the break, you know, mm-hmm. see if there's anything important. And I get a text from my good friend, Michelle, and I want to say hi to her mom, June, and... Um, Michelle's husband, Bob, and they're watching, and they were from Cape May, and they came on the pilgrimage. It was um, Michelle and her mom, Mm -hmm. June. So now you can text me. Who goes by Mimi? (laughs) But um, they're watching from, they moved to Carolina. I want to say South Carolina. So it's probably Mm -hmm. a lot warmer there than it is here. So hello, all of you. That actually gets us this text then I got, we got uh, from uh, Bob. Michelle's oh. husband Yes. just showed me your response. We're hooked, he said. Oh, fabulous. So, so <laughs> right, good. Power of technology. That's mm, what we're see here that? for, right? All the way. That's right. And then I also want to say, ho- to say hello to little Joey because uh, I see him in church and he listens to the show. And he says he sometimes knows the name that tune, but... They're always, they feel a little funny calling. So, Joey, sometime you're going to pick up the phone and you're going to call Mrs. M here at the radio station, too, okay? So, hi to everybody, Michelle, June, Bob, and little Joey, and Dad Joe, too. Mm-hmm. And now we go to the gospel. Okay. Oh. I'm sorry. That would be me. You're on. (laughs) You know, I tucked it away here. Pardon me for just one moment. So now you have to do a song and a dance. You know, I was reading it earlier and thinking, I read it already. So this is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. After John had been arrested... Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. There's a a pattern to discipleship. God calls and we respond. 
Our response involves more than words, however. It involves deeds, notably deeds of repentance. We are unworthy of the graces we receive. We must seek after the life-changing experience that our vocation requires. Find out more next on Breaking the Bread. The calling of the brother in this Sunday's Gospel evokes Elisha's commissioning by the prophet Elijah. As Elijah comes upon Elisha working on his family's farm, so Jesus sees the brothers working by the seaside. And as Elisha left his mother and father to follow Elijah, so the brothers leave their father to follow after Jesus. Jesus' promise to make them fishers of men evokes Israel's deepest hopes. The prophet Jeremiah announced a new and greater exodus in which God would send many fishermen to restore the Israelites from exile, as once he brought them out of slavery in Egypt, as we'll hear in the scriptures this Sunday. By Jesus' cross and resurrection, this new exodus has already begun, and the apostles are the first of a new people of God, the church, a renewed covenant family, based not on blood ties, but on faith in Jesus and the power of the Spirit and a holy desire to do the Father's will. From now on, even our most important worldly concerns, family relations, occupations, and possessions, must be judged in light of the gospel as St. Paul tells us in this Sunday's epistle. The first word of Jesus' gospel is repent, and it means that we must totally change our way of thinking and living, turning away from evil and doing all for the love of God. And we should be consoled by Nineveh's repentance in this Sunday's first reading. Even the wicked city of Nineveh could repent at Jonah's preaching, and in Jesus we have a greater than Jonah. We have God himself come down as our Savior, to show sinners the way as we sing in this Sunday's psalm. This should give us hope that loved ones who remain far from God will find compassion if they turn to Him. But we too must continue along the path of repentance, striving daily to pattern our lives after Christ as His younger brothers and sisters, filled and empowered by His Spirit. This is Scott Hahn for Breaking the Bread. Breaking the Bread is a production of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. If you'd like to receive written copies of Dr. Hahn's reflections on the Sunday Mass readings, you can contact us by email at staff at salvationhistory.com or call us at 740-264-9535. That's 740-264-9535.
Well, welcome back. <clears throat> I'm just fiddling with the screens here, so bear yeah, with me. I see you're playing <laughs> with things over there. I'm getting a you little, notice he sits me on behind. the <laughs> he sits go. me on this side of the desk. I can't touch anything. Can I no, make? There's a lot more to touch now on over here. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I know. Perhaps anyway. I'll just make mention of a couple of things I'm aware of in terms of pro-life. Of course, the buses didn't go to Washington. There was no big official. Uh, anything in D.C. for the, you know, January 22nd right. traditional March for Life. But interestingly enough, there is going to be a March for Life this Saturday in Philadelphia. And I, I have the whole program line up here from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Okay. That's the 23rd. There is a 9 o'clock Mass with Archbishop Nelson Perez. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is the Cathedral of St. Peter and Paul. Immediately after the Mass, they go outside on the lawn, and they're going to have an interdenominational prayer service, approximately 9.30, 9.40. And then that prayer service is led by pastors from the area, and after that, they will march up to a uh, women's center where, sadly, Way too many abortions are performed every year. So they start marching. The uh, cathedral is at 17th and Race Street in Philadelphia. And they march up to this um, abortion clinic or women's center, which is near Independence Mall. And at noon, there's a rally for life at the Independence Mall, which is huge. Wow. So it's very easy to social distance. Mm-hmm. Of course, you'll be outside. It'll be crisp and cold. And they have a rally for life at noon. All of this will be live streamed. However, the mass, the march, the rally, and uh, sponsored by the Pro-Life Union of Greater Philadelphia. Mm, they've been I'm, active for many, many, many years. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. they do a great job. So, And then uh, more on a local scene, if you're in Hunterdon County or near there, Flemington at St. Magdalene's at 7 p.m. They're going to have a um, holy hour, and it's going to include tonight. tonight. That's tonight, 7 p.m. in the church tonight, St. Magdalene's, Flemington, and it will include the Rosary for Life with meditations and reflections by Father Frank Pavone, mm-hmm. written. He's not going to be there, but mm-hmm. written out and prayers that he has written, prayers for life, uh, some quiet time, and uh, then overnight adoration in the church. So all night adoration? Morning. Yeah. Then yeah. mass tomorrow morning? Yes, tomorrow morning at 8. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so people can go, and that's 105 Mine Street mm-hmm. in Flemington, in case you're interested in attending, and then and go anytime to adoration. That's right. Obviously. That's right. And of course, you know, the bishops have Need a have code or anything? Us, is, it night, is it open all night? In this case, no. They, they have the Knights of Columbus there <laughs> minding the store, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Protecting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's good. 105 Mine Street. If you're looking to, you know, spend your January 22nd uh, in a special way, certainly in prayer before the Blessed Sacraments. Uh, so the Holy Hour begins at 7, seven tonight right. at St. Magdalene's. 7 to 8, followed by overnight adoration. adoration. Mm-hmm. And then Mass tomorrow at 8. Yes. Mm-hmm. So get out there, you know. Great way to do some spiritual works. Yeah. I'm sure there are many other things going on. I don't um, We just don't really get the information. Yeah, nobody sent it. So. We're happy to announce it if you give it to us. I mean, we're that's what we're here for. I'll check. I'll real quick check the bulletin board, but just in case, uh, you know. But St. Magdalene certainly is in our listing area. We, had, we do cover a wide part of Hunterdon County. 
Um, let's see, nothing on the 22nd, so. Yeah, and well. I know different parishes mm-hmm. might be doing it on other days, you know, d- different events or holy hours or maybe a mass with intentions for life. But um, if you do know of something yet within the next week or so, g- give us a quick text or email and we can announce it, try to get people to your event. Yeah. Well, you get texts about your Baroque music. I don't uh, I don't know why they're called Baroque, like um, B-O-R. Is there a, an origin of that word? You know? Good question. I'll test you. Yeah, boy, that's a real good question. Where does that come it's from? It's a Baroque. <laughs> Somebody right. Baroque. Who Baroque? <laughs> I think it really comes from the architecture of the time, like ah. Baroque cathedrals. It's, it's uh-huh. more of an artistic term. So Bach, Vivaldi. Vivaldi. Monteverdi. Monteverdi. Luli. Luli Lula. <laughs> I don't even, I, don't, I never heard you of You are one. such a Luli. smart aleck. My friends, Luli. Help, me, help me through this. Yeah, well. They're all great. Handel, of course you know Handel. And what makes it Baroque style? Is there like a certain, like if, if you said 50s, you'd say, Baroque doo-wop. You know, if you said right. 60s, you'd think of the Beatles. I'm sure there's absolute what makes it Baroque? qualities. Very, very particular qualities. Like, for example... You would have um, harmonies that are very, oh, I, I don't want to say predictable, but they don't really stretch their parameters too much. It's very orderly. It's, you know, like a dominant chord will lead you back to home base. That that sort of, your ear knows where it's going to go. It resolves. It, yeah. And without <clears throat> traveling to a lot of other keys, without a lot of transposition, not a lot of, if you're looking at the music, um, is that where they Whereas, wore those powdered wigs? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly right. If I think of Baroque, I think of men in powdered wigs. Mm-hmm. And pointy shoes with a little bit of a heel and brocaded jackets. And the women, the large skirts would be nothing. You've never over been to furniture. Vienna, have you? No, and that. Nor have oh, I. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Maybe someday I'll take you there. To go we see can go Mozart's visit Mozart's house. house. Mm-hmm. And now, did they find where he's buried? Do they know where he's buried? Would they throw him in he a was, ditch? The movies that they threw him in a ditch. Well, he's in a pauper's, <clears throat> but I'm sure now. They moved and put up a large, uh, mm-hmm. you know. What's some? What's some here? What's some? Some popular or well-known um, church music that's baroque that well, we would anything know? Anything by Bach, all the oratorios. Yeah, but I couldn't. I couldn't whistle one of them. Jesu Joy. <laughs> oh, okay. Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring. Okay. By Bach. Okay. Handel, the Hallelujah Chorus. Oh, all Handel of the Messiah. Know. That's all baroque. Mm-hmm. Vivaldi. Oh my gosh. When. Bishop um, O'Connell comes for his program. That's Vivaldi. So you hear this. It's the gray poupon music, as he says. That's right, for the gray mustard. The strings are just sawing away and rhythmically, you know, they just they start at the beginning and they go the same tempo all the way to the very, very end. But does that that does that have a. Yeah. Well, it's just, again, it's very rhythmic. Just it's instrumental. very orderly. Yeah, instrumental. But there's, um, of course, they did vocal music. Like too. Eleanor Rigby from the Beatles has this. That's almost a Baroque style of string playing. A lot of string orchestras, <clears throat> small orchestras. I can only tie it into what I know. Yes, which is Frank But that was, you know, it's funny, though. If you listen to George Martin, who was the producer of the Beatles, he did all those orchestrations. He's the one who mm. put it all together. So. Was classical influence. There. Oh, absolutely. You think about Paul McCartney singing yesterday with a string quartet behind him. Right, exactly. You know, that, and right. That, he wrote that on the guitar and said, okay, well, it's mm-hmm. a Beatles song. And, and George Martin said, no, well, let's do this. Let's just put strings behind it. Just mm-hmm. a, a quartet, just very simply a string quartet. 
And that was the time a lot of them wrote for the church. They were employed the by the church. <laughs> no, 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 not the Beatles. You got me going on the Baroque era now. They wrote for the church. They wrote for the kings and the courts. A lot of pomp and circumstance, a lot of fanfares. They had music for everything that happened. But but Bach's mass and B minor. They, 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 that's right. Is it? Did I make that? That's true. Very good. Oh, I there made it up. I thought I was being B- funny. <laughs> was that actually played as a mass? No, these were performance masses. But so what? Why do they call it a mass? That well, has parts well, of the mass. Because it's he set the text of the mass. But they never really used that. You couldn't use it in the liturgy because, like, the Gloria alone is, you know, 20 minutes long. You couldn't. People wouldn't sit through it. (laughs) You think they don't sit through Mass now? They're looking at their long collection during the offertory. Yes. And another you want to know another piece of trivia? Yes. You could quiz me all day. Yeah, sure. That there weren't dynamics. There weren't a lot of louds and softs. It was very, very strict. Whereas they couldn't instill or impart any emotion of their own doing, you know, like meaning the musicians or the the, the musicians composer. placing dynamics onto the performance. It was just, just play it as it is. Play it as it is, and then when it got into the classical period and romantic, then it got to be less about the text and all the proper things, but it's like, this is what I want to write for me because I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling happy or I'm in love. And then you'd have these sweeping lines, emotional, loud, soft, gradual crescendos. None of that happened in the in the Baroque era. Baroque was just... Straight. Straight, playing mm-hmm. straight. But that would say that on notation on the music, wouldn't it tell you how to play it? Mm-hmm. Just play it straight, it said? Well, for, for the most part, you know, you might have a, a touch of a loud and soft, but it would then you're talking about early instrumentation, instruments that weren't developed yet. How about so, Chopin? He wasn't Baroque. Oh, no. So that's romantic then, you see. I don't know. A lot know. of push and pull. Slower, all I know is faster, that when we were planning on going to. emotional. We were planning on having a pilgrimage to Poland a couple of years ago. You yeah. wanted to go, you were practicing Chopin. I wanted to give a little recital over there. Yeah. But well, that was romantic music. Another day. I was going on pilgrimage with you. That's right. It would have been very romantic. In Poland. <laughs> well, another day, another time. Baroque. Pretty soon. So a little lesson in Baroque in case That's you right. <laughs> I've never heard some of those ones that were mentioned though. I mean I know I know Bach, obviously. I know Vivaldi. Four seasons. Yeah, Vivaldi's Gloria, the four seasons. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'll listen to that. Yeah. I don't mind that. I actually I don't mind putting classical music on mm-hmm. as background if I'm trying to yeah. take a nap. It helps you think. Yeah, when you're trying to take a nap. Well, it does. There it there comes it the helped, snoring It helped again. me fall asleep. Yeah. But there's something very orderly and regimented about it. It follows the rules. It's very proper. And it's it's neat. Neat as a pin. And so that, that kind of goes with, you know, I like things neat. Everything has its place. Mm. Whereas Had modern music. Had you in my office? No. Should I go see it? It's all cleaned up. I can't imagine. I found stuff in there from June. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and did you dust the, the desk? Well, before I didn't you put get that far. They were, couldn't it? get dusty. There was a lot of stuff on top of the desk. Okay, okay. And the books were dusty. You saw the books, though. You saw those books that I, that yes, I put on the, the I top thought you did a little cleaning, but I was afraid to go in there. Because, you know, we get these books from publishers regularly, mm-hmm. and there are just so many. We obviously can't have all the authors on, and, and the books stack up. On my, and I, we but really I brought need them to... all out and put them on your I'd love to have a little book party. Those avid readers out there, if we could have a little open house and you could peruse all these books. Yeah, we have a great library back there of books we've been collecting for years and years and years. And we'll never read them in our lifetime. And many of them have double and triple copies. 
but and some I have read, but they're back on the shelf. So we would love to share our books with you. Because the Catholic publishers will send us books just mm-hmm. as a perusal and hoping that to get an interview with you here. Then we have them all the time with the yeah, authors. That's right. Uh, and as a but favor now, back to them, we get a free book. And the books <laughs> so, pile up. And we have a whole library of books back there. Yeah. Yes, I did. I, I was in. I was in a cleaning. I had a cleaning inspiration. But you know, there's something about when your de- when your office is neat, you want to work a little harder. That's right. And I hope you put on Vivaldi while you were cleaning. Yeah, I don't know. What I, I put, put on, on Vivaldi when I clean at home. You you you, you put Vivaldi on or classical music on for the cat. I'll come home some night and the classical <laughs> music is playing. I'm assuming because she you think loves the cat- it. That That's going to be the next cat, question. That cat doesn't. How many know people what, have cats that love that classical music? That cat doesn't music. know what's playing. She enjoys it. It helps her. Sleep. I walk in the door. Alexa, turn off that. <laughs> <laughs> Play Frank Sinatra. The cat knows I'm home. Yes. The, the cat music knows, stops. The cat knows the difference between your garage door and my garage door. Believe I it or not. Because so. I'll come in, and the thing will be sitting up on the window sill, wherever. It is. Mm. When your garage door opens, your side opens, it runs to the, and it starts like it doesn't. Your cat doesn't really meow. It sounds more like a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll stand oh. at the door. <laughs> She's my little friend. But it doesn't meow. Cats are supposed to meow. This mm-hmm. thing just kind of makes an odd well, sound. I'll tell you why that happened. Because when she was a little tiny kitty, they did that little procedure too young. So she oh, is that why? Her she, voice never changed? <laughs> she didn't develop her meow because whatever happens. It sounds like a parrot. It really does. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it knows. It knows the difference. So it's. But I think the only thing, I, I kind of sense the only thing the cat really wants is food. Ultimately. But so like sit- it, it follows you around because you feed it. It mm-hmm. doesn't come near me because I don't feed it. <laughs> It'll follow you because you feed it. If anything happens to me, people, somebody's got to take my cat because it, it will I'll starve. I'll put it on the auction block. <laughs> <laughs> it will starve. No, I'll, I'll give it to somebody. I don't want it. Angela will take it. Oh, fine. Our daughter will Actually, I saw a picture it. from eight years ago on my, you know, I still have pictures in my phone from eight years ago. A picture in my phone from eight years ago where I'm, it said eight years, so I'm assuming 2013. Okay. Um, of the cat sitting on my shoulder, kitten sitting on my shoulder. She's eight already. Oh, my. So how long do they live? Maybe 15. So we're half, more than halfway there. <laughs> Jim's more getting excited. <laughs> but see, she has a, a like a poor immune system, so she gets little sneezy colds. Isn't it a terrible thing? And you have to take it to the vet and get a shot. Mm-hmm. You can see he has a very low tolerance. Please don't send me letters. I'm just not a cat person. I know there are cat people and there are non-cat people. I'm a non-cat person. I don't. It lives in my house. Mm -hmm. I don't give it a hard time. Mm -hmm. I just don't have it sit on my lap and pet it. Mm -hmm. If it like rubs up against me, like ooh. No, you say get out of (laughs) here. That's right. (laughs) It thinks its name is get get out of here. Get out of here. Poor little thing. Well. But more other than that, I'm a very gentle and loving person. <laughs> That's right. Actually, I did read somewhere that cat people, people who really get into cats, there is a uh, psychological issue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that in the least way. I yes, did read that. We're loving. We're yeah, compassionate. A, yeah. I need something to take yeah, care of. Yeah. Your cat's name is Noel. Mm-hmm, so it's a Christmas kitten. But it's black. The Christmas kitten. Yeah, and who gave it to you? 
You did. That's right. And now you want me to get rid of it. Because I gave it to you. It was a kitten. (laughs) I didn't give you a cat. I gave you a kitten. And she's small and she's cute. Okay. We'll take a break. And uh, Father People Thomas. People are tired of hearing about the cats. Yeah. Thomas, but... Father Thomas Daly is going to join yes. us. And he's written a book called Behold the Heart Reflections on the Sacred Heart from uh, St. Francis de Sales. So uh, I guess we'll be. We'll, go to, a, we'll come, go to a song. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. Again, happy to have you here on this uh, lovely January 22nd. Father Thomas Daly holds the John Cardinal Foley Chair of Homiletics and Social Communications at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. He obtained a doctoral degree in sacred theology from the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. And he's written a brand new book published by Sophia Institute Press, Behold This Heart, St. Francis de Sales and Devotion to the Sacred Heart. Of course, uh, Sunday the 24th, if it weren't a Sunday, 
we'd be celebrating, and I guess we still can celebrate the feast of the good St. Francis de Sales. Father Thomas Daly, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim, and thank you, Cheryl. Oh, thank you so much for being with us. And, you know, the devotion to the Sacred Heart is a uh, tried and true, long-standing, traditional devotion. And and in my parish, I'm in the Diocese of Metuchen, we have um, prayers to the Sacred Heart every Thursday, right before First Friday. We actually have a special holy hour, knowing that Mm -hmm. on First Friday we dedicate to the Sacred sacred Heart. So I'm anxious to hear more about uh, this devotion through studying St. Francis. Well, indeed, that is the uh, tradition in many places, and that's the uh, that was one of the requests made uh, from Jesus to St. Margaret Mary uh, when he appeared to her in uh, in the monastery in which she was and part of the series of apparitions. And one of the things that he did ask for was that holy hour of prayer uh, before receiving communion on First Friday. So this would is this probably one of the earliest devotions that you know we're still observing these days, like the the earliest developed devotion. Well, I don't. I, I honestly don't know the the answer to that. I mm. I, I can't imagine it is yeah. in the sense that um, we our devotion to the Sacred Heart as we practice it nowadays came from the time of St. Margaret Mary and has developed since then. Mm -hmm. Of course, on the other hand, um, interest in and prayer to and we might say devotion to the Sacred Heart has been been around since the beginnings of Christianity, since Mm -hmm. the time of the cross. Father Daly, what's the connection between St. Francis de Sales and this devotion? Okay, well, um, as I mentioned, the, the devotion grew out of the visions of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. She was a nun in the visitation, in the order of the Visitation of Holy Mary, which is the religious order of nuns that St. Francis de Sales and St. James de Chantal founded. Okay. So while she, while St. Margaret Mary um, certainly came after St. Francis de Sales, it's uh, the tradition of Francis de Sales, the the worldview of Francis de Sales, the importance placed upon connection with the divine heart that is sort of the, the, the background and the context for the specific devotion that came from St. Margaret Mary. We're talking with Father Thomas Daly about his new book, Behold This Heart, St. Francis de Sales and Devotion to the Sacred Heart, published by Sophia Institute Press. Their web address is sophiainstitute.com. And, Father, in the book, you, you combine uh, the Salesian spirituality and, and meditative devotion. Uh, tell us a little bit, first of all, about Salesian spirituality. Well, certainly. What, what I did in the book was, was give a, a, a backstory about Francis de Sales and Jane de Chantal and the visitation order, kind of to set up the, the apparitions to St. Margaret Mary. And essentially, uh, the Salesian spirituality and the worldview of Salesian spirituality is a world in which our hearts are united with the heart of God, and that happens through the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So this uh, tradition of a world of hearts is the, as I say, sort of the living, breathing context for understanding a particular focus on the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Now, of course, in, in today's world and, and all the worldly responsibilities we have, 
How is it possible for individuals to live the devout life despite all these many res- worldly responsibilities? <laughs> sure. That's a tough um, one. <laughs> it, it's a great question. It's a very real question. And I think St. Francis de Sales had, had the genius, really, the insight to, to, to say that living a devout life or living a holy life is not something in addition to all of the other things that we have to do. It's not something to be added on to the many responsibilities that we already have. He says we live a devout life in and through those responsibilities that we have in our particular state in life. After all, God has called us to that particular state in life, so it's there that we become holy. To, to take that a step further with the idea of living in union with the heart of Christ, if you think about it, um, you know, our hearts are beating and we're breathing um, no matter what we do and, and wherever we do what we do. So in a sense, that, that, that image of the of conjoined heart, of, of, of the beating, breathing, living heart, um, speaks well to this Elysian tradition because just as our heart beats in all that we do, so we are to practice holiness in all that we do by being united with God in all that we do. That's, that's his understanding in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful, you know, we're, we're talking about the heart. Jesus loves us infinitely. We can't even imagine the eternal love that he has for each and every one of us. So too should we be doing all that we do for love, with love, through love, I mean, it, it just, everything should really be coming from the heart. And I feel like today we, we need that more than anything to be loving and kind and forgiving and merciful. Um, and, and I'm sure there are some obstacles along the way. What, was, is there anything that you came across in writing the book that was almost a, a little discovery for yourself? Like, oh, what, what a beautiful way to do this or, or do things for others keeping that love in mind? Well, indeed. I mean, the, the, the biggest obstacle is that our hearts are certainly not as big and as strong as Jesus's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because of human weakness, um, our hearts don't beat perfectly. Um, you know, you, you can parallel that with, with, the, with the, the physical heart and, all, and, and its troubles in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, it is by uniting our feeble hearts with the infinite heart of Jesus that we live this this union to which we are called. Now, in terms of, of you know, sort of putting that into practice, um, I think another great aspect of Salesian spirituality is that notion of uh, aspiring to God in what we do. It's a it's the sense of breathing forth our thoughts and our affections and our, our, our desire, really, to be united with God, which, again, we can do in the midst of whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. But sort of, um, you know, picturing to ourselves and, and, you know, thinking a little bit and, and, and letting ourselves express that sense of desiring that my heart and God's be, be joined, recognizing, of course, that God's heart is mm-hmm. so much greater than ours, but letting ourselves be enveloped by that, 
Mm. One of the great, if, if I may, one of the great um, sort of experiences of St. Margaret and Mary that, that kicked off this, this, this great devotion was what, the, what scholars of spirituality call an exchange of hearts, that, that very um, vivid and real experience that she had, that Jesus actually took her heart and put it in his, and then gave it back to her, mm-hmm. renewed, transformed, um, able to endure suffering, um, you know, ab- able to live in a new way. That experience, you know, is certainly reserved to to, to mystic saints like Saint Margaret Mary. But but the notion is the same that if we if we entrust our hearts to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, we're in as good a space as we will ever be. That's right. We're getting us close to that visual. It's a beautiful visual. Mm -hmm. I can imagine even sitting and meditating and contemplating and just trying to enter into that. Oh, if we were, could only be so privileged as to give our heart and let it pass through and be still in Jesus and then come back that maybe that's part of it too, being still, not, not rushing through things, taking time to think and, and meditating and just calming down. You know, the world's been so crazy, hectic. Maybe we need to just slow down a little bit. Indeed. The, uh, the, the devotion to the Sacred Heart is very much a visual devotion, uh, as you say, and it, it, does, it does benefit us if we can take the time to um, think about really to visualize, to enter into mm-hmm. those images of the Sacred Heart. And that's why half the book, or really the motivation for the book, was to create this novena of meditations about the Sacred Heart of Jesus mm-hmm. that I think um, really anyone can, can do and follow and, and certainly has the freedom of spirit to, to, to go in a different direction. But entering into that picture and turning into that reality is what the devotion is all about. We're talking with Father Thomas Daly, and his new book is called Behold This Heart, St. Francis de Sales and Devotion to the Sacred Heart, published by Sophia Institute Press, and their web address is sophiainstitute.com. Father, you know, as you're speaking this, I love the image of the intertwining of hearts, uh, and, and you know, I, I guess our world today, I myself wear a little device on my wrist that uh, gives me a lot of information, uh, and it tells me how fast my heart is beating or what my BPM is, and I wake up in the morning and give it a tap to make sure it's still ticking, <laughs> and it is, but I th- I'm thinking, the, what the, if... The device or your actual heart? That's right. Sure it's still that's right. And I'm thinking, what Both. if we kind of remind us throughout the day, you know, to, to continually intertwine our hearts with the Lord's. We're looking at our own physical heart, but but it's God himself who keeps that heart beating. Um, so sure. uh, I love I love that image, and of course, yeah, and, look, and 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 look at look at jewelry companies who use that image of intertwined hearts and oh and, sure, well, that's right, beautiful jewelry with that image. So sure, it's it's a powerful symbol. And you mentioned, Father, in your book, there's a series of of a novena nine reflections on the Sacred Heart. Are these yours personally, or are they Saint Francis de Sales, or a, a combination of both? A little bit of both. What I did was I took um, when. In going through the gospel story, identified nine aspects or dimensions of gospel passages that focus on the heart of Jesus. And then following the, the um, schema or the sort of methodology that Francis de Sales lays out for meditating, 
Uh, I wrote about that, including wherever I could, a lot of his thoughts that parallel um, what, the, what the biblical scene is talking about. And then try to, uh, in, in the conclusion, to sort of, or, you know, in the, in the ending to each one, to, you know, bring it into the modern day and, and sort of raise the questions and the thoughts and the affections and suggest some resolutions that would uh, relate to modern day life. Beautiful. Uh, again, friends, we've been talking with Father Thomas Daly, and his book is called Behold This Heart, St. Francis de Sales and Devotion to the Sacred Heart, published by Sophia Institute Press. SophiaInstitute.com is their website. And, you know, as I said, on, on the 24th of January each year, we celebrate the Feast of uh, St. Francis de Sales. And it's on that day, of course, we take, I always take note of this, Father, it's on that day that ho- the Holy Father will release his message for World Communications Day, which is uh, mm-hmm. in May. Why is it that he chooses the Feast of St. Francis de Sales to, to release that message? Do you know? Well, as is, as is often with the case with uh, communications from the Holy See, they're, they're, they tend to be tied to relevant feast days. So the theme for World Communications Day each year is announced in September on the Feast of the Archangels, who are the patron saints of radio. Then the message itself is published, as you say, on January 24th each year, because it is the Feast of St. Francis de Sales, who's the patron saint of journalists. And then it, it, the World Day is actually celebrated in the week, uh, sorry, the Sunday before Pentecost um, and, the, and the coming of the spirit of communications to the world. So there is a, there, there is a method to the madness there. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I, I just actually, I was, before we got on the air here, I was, I was reading a, 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 thephilly.com, and you have a commentary in there about the current bishop's statement on, without getting into all of that. I think sometimes, do you think we can have a little bit too many, too much communications <laughs> coming, coming at us that creates a lot of confusion? Well, yes. we, we certainly live in a world of information overload. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the trick to communicating is, is certainly knowing what to say and when to say it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we, we can, I guess the alternative, doing, doing, having too little information is probably worse, so. Well, again, you've done a great work here, as you've been doing for so many years. Uh, the book, again, friends, is called Behold This Heart, St. Francis de Sales and Devotion to the Sacred Heart, published by Sophia Institute Press. Their address is sophiainstitute.com. We've been speaking with the author, Father Thomas Daly. Father, thank you so very much for the book, for being with us today, and for all that you do for the Church. You're quite welcome. Thank you for your good work, too, and, and uh, may God bless domestic church media. Thank oh. you. God bless you. And friends, you stay where you are. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Father Benedict Groeschel. There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life lives of unborn children. And they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Romane Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. You will often hear people say, 
Oh, Jesus was a great teacher. Really, he and Lincoln and Plato have done a great deal for the world. If we wanted to solve all of our economic and social problems, all we would have to do is read the Beatitudes of Jesus. People who talk that way do not understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Redeemer of the world. For them, Jesus is just another man. Why do they not know him? Because they do not have the Spirit. And why do they not have the Spirit? Because they have not obeyed the law of God that they knew. As our Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then the Holy Spirit will manifest himself to us. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I went to church and just sat there and listened. I really didn't absorb anything. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control and church was actually a, a burden to me. I had this sin that I carried in my heart for a long time. And I told myself for many, many years that the Lord wouldn't forgive me for this. When, when Father in the confessional says, your sins are forgiven, there truly is a, a feeling of, of weight lifted off. I don't care if it's two or three little sins that you're carrying, there's a feeling of I can breathe deeply again. I feel pure inside. And I'm, and I'm ready to come to Mass. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. When you come home to the, to the church, you're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Okay, we're back. We indeed are back. We want to thank Mimi for calling in and winning. I'm going There's to a song s- called Mimi, Julian. No, I don't remember that. It was from like 1932. Hmm. Uh, Maurice Chevalier. Mimi, you're funny, little good for nothing, Mimi. Oh, and then I'm, he wrote Gigi. Was, was he sang like Gigi. It? Gigi, am I a fool? But there was <laughs> Mimi, you're funny, little good for nothing, Mimi. <laughs> Mimi would be a nice name for a brand new kitten. Uh, we'll talk about that. No. <laughs> no, we won't. No, 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 we won't. Well, I feel it's... But it, you say it's short for something, Mimi? You know this, uh, Mimi? No. Oh, no, I I'm you you did. saying that I'm going to... You knew to someone s- else named Mimi? Yes, but I'm going to send our winner a lovely book because a few more weeks it is lent ash wednesday is february 17th so less than a month away yes seems wow. like it's quick well easter's early, early. isn't easter like april 4th, april 4th I think, right? yeah fairly early early not well and or, the, early april we received some directives not the complete package but they said if there's any way by then they're anticipating that we're still going to have the limited capacity in the churches. So whatever you're seeding now, that it, it might not change. It might remain thus until Easter. I'm hoping things open up and we can have more people in the church. But they're saying, think creatively. If it's a beautiful weekend, could you have an Easter Mass outside? Mm-hmm. So. I don't see why. Well, I mean, like in the car, though, where you had to draw the circles no, on the ground. Did, yeah, no, we did outdoor Masses once or twice without the cars. Without the circles? Without the, without the crop circles they put <laughs> down there? <laughs> I'm trying to remember how we did it. Maybe they were in their cars, but we had like a, a large tent and mm. the altar was there, the music. Where, everything. St. Magdalene? Yeah, one oh, yeah. day. You had a tent? 
Yeah, they had. Oh, to cover the the altar. Right. Only because it was sunny. I, I don't remember what the occasion was. But I know, and Anthony, well, he's in Michigan, and he's a musician, and they had outdoor masses. He said, way too long. He said it was cold. He was in a full coat and gloves mm-hmm. with the fingertips mm-hmm. cut out, and he'd be playing like the piano, the music game. blowing everywhere, because it gets cold there very Michigan, early in October. Sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll change, but I, there's nothing... Nothing being said to give the indi- any indication that it's going to be, no. other than the vaccines will eventually create herd immunity. Mm. Um, but even that, you know, it might take I just don't, I don't understand. Like you and I are both immune because we had it. Right. We have the antibodies. We are immune. And the, everything I read on it says, okay, the, first they said, well, we're not really sure if the antibody's going to work. Now they say three to five months. Now they're saying five to eight months. And I read something the other day that said, it could be lifelong. Nobody seems to know. Well, of course you don't know because... It's brand new. You know, we just got it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we, well. our bodies have done what the vaccines are doing. Mm-hmm. Our bodies did it naturally, so mm-hmm. we don't have to... I, in my mind, and we still wear the masks, and we still socially distance and do all that stuff, but we right. are comfortable knowing that right now we are immune. Right, right. For the most we part. We can relax yeah. a little bit, yeah. but... For the safety But of that's others. what the vaccine is supposed to do. Right. It's supposed to make you, your body create antibodies, and so you don't, so you don't get, get it. It, it right. fights off, it recognizes the virus, and begins to do battle. Hence, you can't spread it or give it to someone else. That's the way I see it. It's called science. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm a musician. I don't, I, you know, there was an excellent article, though, I have to say, on the other point of view regarding the vaccine, there was an article I read yesterday from a Filipino priest who's also a doctor, and he said he has no problem getting the vaccine. He said, I'll encourage my mother to get everything that he's researched. He feels that, and and as far as the the, uh, issues that people are afraid of it or it's going to cause sterilization, he debunked every one of those arguments, and it was a priest. Mm -hmm. So. You have to have faith in that too. But I know there are are people, you know, there's there's people are getting it. Yes. But I don't think we have to, personally. I don't think we have to. Okay, well, on that note, we'll leave you, and uh, I'll be back on Tuesday, God willing. Have a great weekend. It's going to be a chilly one. Uh, sit by the fire if you have that opportunity, or just stay warm. And um, Listen to Catholic Radio. We'll be back next Friday. God bless you. God bless you. you.